My name is Bill Fitzgerald. I'm an elder at Christ Community Chapel, and I'll be reading from Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hey everybody, good morning, and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad that you are here. Uh, glad I get to be with you. Uh, welcome those of you at our East service, those of you tuning in online. Welcome. Listen, if you're tuning in online and you are local, uh, we miss you. Come on back. All right. All right. We are right smack dab in the middle of our 10-week series uh, that we are calling 10 Sentences to Change Your Life. 10 Sentences to Change Your Life. It's 10 verses all taken out of the book of Romans. And today we get to Romans 5.8, which is probably my favorite verse in all of Romans. You know, in the movie Star Wars, the first movie, I can't keep up with sequels, but the first movie, like all good movies, Luke Skywalker, the hero, gets to a place where things seem overwhelming to him. He's discouraged. He's about to lose hope. Then he hears this voice in his head, and it's the voice of Yoda. And Yoda is reminding Luke Skywalker of the deep truth that he has forgotten. And of course, the deep truth in Star Wars is the force is with you. And when Luke Skywalker hears that voice and remembers that truth, everything changes. The music changes. John Williams plays different music and it's just, it's overwhelming. And it's almost like an elixir that Luke Skywalker drinks. That's this verse. That's Romans 5.8. Every time you have been deeply moved, every time that tuning fork uh, begins to vibrate deep within your soul, it is the truths that are found in this verse that are making that happen. I remember reading an article on the Harry Potter phenomenon of this novel that swept across the globe and Christians, we didn't know how to respond to it. And I remember reading this article where the author said, listen, if, if any novel sells a million copies that quickly, the gospel is somewhere in there, just look. And of course it is. What the author was saying was that there is something inside of every human being that resonates to the gospel. So if you're here or you have ever felt this, that you, that circumstances are overwhelming, that you are discouraged, that you might be beginning to lose hope. It's this verse that you need. And these truths that are the most important truths for you, interestingly enough, are not about you. They're about God. Romans 5.8 tells us three things about God. It tells us what God does, when God does it, and how he did it. What God does, when God does it, and how he did it. First, what God does. I am uh, not a fan of musicals, for the most part. It just seemed odd to me <laughs> that uh, actors are talking, they're in some kind of dialogue, and then all of a sudden one of them breaks out into song. You know, I think I was ruined for musicals probably when I was like seven or eight, and I saw West Side Story. And they are singing, you know, gang members. <laughs> Just never seemed that scary to me, right? So, but I have a few exceptions. And one of the exceptions is Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof is this uh, great 
musical. I want to show you a clip from Fiddler. And in this clip, uh, two of the main characters, maybe the two main characters, Tevia and Golda, are talking. Tevia and Golda have three daughters. And uh, this is a, an era when marriages were arranged. And one of their daughters has come to them and said that she wants to get married because she has fallen in love. And that gets Tevia thinking, and he, he ends up asking his wife, Golda, the most important question he has ever asked her. And I want you to watch the response. And so watch this clip. It'll be about two and a half minutes long. Do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? Well... With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town. You're upset, you're worn out. Go inside, go lie down. Maybe it's indigestion. Uh, no, Golda, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well... For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Golden, the first time I met you was on our wedding day. I was scared. I was shy. I was nervous. So was I. But my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other. And now I'm asking, Golda, do you love me? I'm your wife. I know. But do you love me? Do I love him? Well? For 25 years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years my bed is his If that's not love, what is? Then you love me I suppose I do Then I suppose I love you too It doesn't change a thing but even so, after 25 years, it's nice to know. It's a great scene, and it makes you want to want to clap. Don't. Um, But I love that scene. I love when Tevye uh, says, then you do love me, right? And he has that impish grin. But I disagree with that last part when they're sitting next to each other and they said it doesn't change a thing even so after 25 years. It's nice to know. I think it changes everything to know someone loves you. But the question is, how do you know? How do you know if anyone really loves you? Well, there are two ways. One, they can tell you that they love you. And the other way is that they show they love you. 
And both are important. But when someone tells you they love you, it gives you a feeling inside. But when they show you they love you, it gives you something objective, like an anchor. And the first part of this verse says this, but God, but God shows his love toward us. God decided to show his love. And that means something different than just telling you. When my, uh, my little brother, John, uh, died in a traffic accident at the age of 20, my mom had a friend named Ann Kufelt. Ann's husband uh, was the president of a very uh, large grocery chain. And she had always been very generous to my mom and to our family. But when my brother died, she showed up at my mom's house with cleaning supplies. She didn't send cleaners to my mom's house. She showed up. And she said to my mom, Joan, I'm going to clean your house. And she cleaned my mom's house from top to bottom. In fact, she cleaned my mom's bathroom on her hands and knees with a toothbrush. And the reason I know that is because my mom would say that story. Even as my mom was slipping deeper and deeper into Alzheimer's, that was one of the stories that she would always trigger. Like I said to my mom, hey, mom, do you remember Ann Kufelt? She would say, do you know what she did? When John died, she came to our house and she cleaned our house and she was on her hands and knees and she cleaned my bathroom with a toothbrush. You know what my mom was saying? She was saying, I know my friend loved me because she showed me that she loved me. Listen, when you desperately need to be loved, You need someone not just to tell you that they love you. You need them to show you that they love you. And that's what this verse starts out with. But God shows his love toward you. And as amazing as that truth is, the next truth is more amazing still. Like this message is going to go from amazing to amazinger to amazingest. All right? So the next the next part of the verse says this, but God shows his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while you were still a sinner, order matters, right? Pastor Zach last week spent some time reminding us that Christianity is different than all other religions. Every other religion puts the order the other way. Every other religion says you start living a certain way, then God will approve of you. Then God will love you. You change, then God loves you. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what Christianity teaches. What Christianity teaches is when you are at your very worst, God loved you. Uh, I started dating my wife in September of 1979, and we were married in August of 1980. I got her to fall in love with me after three months of being just outstanding, right? (laughs) I don't want to brag, but I, I was extraordinarily witty. I was sensitive. I wrote her notes. I brought her gifts. I opened car doors. I wore clean clothes. One time when she was sick, I brought her ice cream. Have I told you that story? (laughs) If you are brand new to the church and you don't know the Karen was sick and Joe brought her ice cream story, you can go back on our sermon archives. I mention it about every fourth sermon. 
because that's when I was at my very best. And when I'm at my very best, I'm pretty good. And you are too. Right? But when we got married, we ended up taking vows. And the vow went for better or for worse. Because if, if Karen was going to love me at my very worst, I had to have her make a promise before friends and family and God himself that she would do her best to marry, to love me when I was at my worst, because that's hard. And if you're married, you know it's hard. I remember hearing somebody talk about marriage, and they said one of the problems with marriage is this, that there's a gap in every marriage between expectations and reality. And that gap has a name, and that name is disappointment between expectations and reality. And when you disappoint someone, then you don't know whether they will still love you. Like uh, some of you, I, I hope many of you feel like you love me. Right? You tell me that, and, and I really appreciate that. But you really only know me at my very best when I'm up here. And if you really get to know me, and I disappoint you, what I have found over 40 years of ministry is if you disappoint people enough by who you really are, then they'll leave your church. And I get that, right? It's like the, the old uh, joke about a football coach where a football coach went undefeated, won the state championship, big pep rally. And he's saying the crowd's going crazy. And he says, do you love me? And the crowd goes, we love you, coach. We love you. And he says, if we go three and eight next year, will you still love me? And there's like quiet. And then they say, we'll still love you, coach. And we'll miss you. <laughs> right? That's the deep fear. Like there's this conundrum of being a, a human being where we know we, we need someone to love us, but we don't know how much to show them of who we really are. At our very best, a lot of people will love us. At our very worst, we're worried no one will love us. And here God comes and God says, while you were still a sinner, I loved you. you know, we, we long for someone to say to us, even at your very worst, I will love you. And God says, I will, and I do. That's the second thing. So the first thing is, but God shows his love. He doesn't just tell us that he loves us. He decides to show us he loves us. The second great truth is when he does it, he does it when you're at your very worst, not when you're at your very best. But the third truth is how he did it, how he did it. Sometimes it helps me to think of what God could have done, but didn't. And when uh, I think of, uh, of asking God, do you love me? He could have sung us Golda's song, right? He could have said, for 25 years, I've given you air. I've given you food. I've let you live after 25 years. If that's not love, what is? But that's not what God does. What it says here is, but God shows uh, his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. You know, we're, we're always trying to point out 
how Christianity is different than any other religion, any other philosophy in the world. And the reason we're doing that is because it's become more and more prevalent for people to think, hey, all religions are basically the same. They're not. They're not. Christianity's order is different. First, God loves you, and then that love begins to change you. But there's something else that's different. Is Christianity is the only religion in the world that's based, that's founded on a historical event, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ did not take place in history, Christianity ceases to exist. And what that's saying is when God decided to show you his love for you, he did something that was objective, something that could be an anchor that you could point to and say, that's how I know, not because of my circumstances, not because of what's happening right now in my life, but I know God loved me because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If I went to my mom and I said to her, did Ann Kufelt really love you? Her mind would immediately go to the story of how Ann showed her love to her. Where does your mind go when you begin to wonder if God really loves you? When you're so discouraged, when circumstances seem so overwhelming, where you're beginning to lose hope, where does your mind go? You know, I, I take walks early in the morning around my neighborhood. And I, I, I do that. One, I, I, I pray, and I, I pray for my neighbors, and I just kind of think. And on Wednesday, when I decided to go uh, for a walk, I decided to, uh, <laughs> I, I knew I was going to use the Fiddler on the Roof clip uh, on Wednesday. And so I decided on my walk that I would do a little bit of a musical so I started, uh, when I was out of my driveway, I sang to God, hey God, do you love me? That's all. And the whole walk, I just listened. And what I heard God say is this, of course I love you. Of course I do. Because I sent Jesus Christ to live in your place and die in your place and resurrect so that you might be forgiven, so that you might know that when you were at your very worst, I loved you the very most. Of course, I love you. <laughs> and by the time I got back to my driveway, I was like Tevia because I wanted to go to God. I knew you loved me. I knew it. That's how I knew it. I don't know where you are right now. I tell you, the challenge for this week is for you to worship, to worship, to at some point, I want you to ask God that question. I want you to say, God, do you love me? And I want you to listen for his answer. And I want you to remind yourself of that deep truth, the deepest of all truths, that this God showed his love towards you when you were at your very worst, while you were still a sinner. Christ died for you, for you. And if you're here and you are not yet a Christian, I have to believe this is what you want. 
That's what the human heart longs for. Someone to tell me, I love you, I know you, and I still love you, right? That's what God is doing for you right now. Don't miss it. And so if you're not yet a Christian, this can be yours. This God is saying to you, this truth is for you. And so I want, before you leave this place, drop by the next steps area and just say, say to them, listen, I'm ready. I want to experience this love of God to such a degree that it changes everything about me because I believe finally that what God did was he showed his love through Jesus for me. All right? For the rest of us, as you go through discouraging times, hurtful times, your circumstances seem overwhelming, take the time this week to remind yourself of this deep truth because it will be like an elixir for your soul and it will change everything about you. you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you and I am uh, always amazed. I look at Romans 5.8 and I step back and just say, uh, there is no greater thing that anyone has ever said to me than this verse, than the, truth that are, the truths that are in this verse. And I pray for every one of us here. I pray that you will convince us deep down that you have shown your love for us, not just told us that you loved us, You've given us something objective that we can point to and that you love us when we're at our very worst as well as at our very best and that you sent Jesus to live, die, and resurrect so that we might experience your love fully and your forgiveness completely. Thank you. Thanks for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.